Hey! Come on, Journey Church. I was sitting on that pew. I was like, don't make me get up and do it. Don't make me do it. We just... Okay, all right. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Today, we're beginning a new series called At the Table, hence the table. <laughs> we're calling it At the Table, and I'll explain it a little bit about what it is, and we're going to walk through it over these next three weeks, okay? This is a series that the Lord gave me even before the transition happened. I've been keeping a journal for uh, since Pastor... Uh, Tim and I talked, I kept a journal, and I would just write thoughts. I would write what the Lord was speaking to me. I was just trying to be um, ahead of the game and not just wait until that moment happened, and this is one of the things that came out of that journal, and so these next couple of weeks have been prayed over. They've been thought about. Um, I'm, I'm so excited about it, and so I'm asking you to lock in for three weeks to just get excited, bring your word. Hopefully somebody brought some Tupperware today. If you don't know, you need to go back and watch next week, uh, last week's message. Hopefully you came with some Tupperware. We talked about if you go to somebody's house with Tupperware, one, you're expecting leftovers. Two, you let them know, you think to cook good, I want to eat this the rest of the week. You know what I'm saying? And we believe that when we come that the word is meat, that we come and we eat and we partake of the word together. And so we always want to come with, uh, with Tupperware. So if you're wondering, like, Tupperware, why don't I bring plastic Tupperware? You know what your Tupperware is? A notepad. Amen. Just bring a notepad with you, something that you can write down, put scriptures in. You could type it on the notes in your phone. The reason I suggest paper, I know, I know that you are holy and sanctified and that your attention span can stay so honed in on one app on your phone. Come on. Uh-huh. Y'all all know that little bing pops up. And you're like, ooh, Journey Church is live. Let me just share it real quick. Wait a second. Did I set that reminder? Hold on just a second. Let me, I'm sitting here thinking about what I got to do this week right now. Like when you come with paper, it just helps you focus better is the, is the biggest thing. And when you write it down, it helps reiterate it in your heart and your spirit. And then you go back and you begin to continue to eat off of it throughout the rest of the week. That's why I encourage notes because when you could be in a moment, you're like, you know what? I remember pastor speaking on that. I need to, I need to remember that. And you go back to your little Tupperware, you open it up and you good, you good. You know what the good thing is about this? It doesn't grow moldy. That's right. You don't ever have to throw it out. You can just keep on eating on it and it never gets bad. Come on, somebody. Don't you wish all leftovers were that way? Hey, hey, come on. <laughs> so we're going to start this table at the table, but I'm going I'm to throw out a challenge at the end of this that you invite someone to the table. You invite somebody to come with you. And we're going to have a moment at the end of the message where we're going to do something uh, pretty special that I'm, I'm excited about. Um, and so we'll get there when we get there. But over these coming weeks, we need to understand that we all have a seat at the table. Even people who aren't in this room right now have a seat at the table. And so next week, we're going to talk about who's invited to the table. Who's invited to the table? And then the third week, I'm, that's the week I'm challenging you to bring somebody with you. Because what we're going to do is we're going to take the table and then flip it and make it a salvation message. And we're going to encourage you to bring somebody with you. We've got to get excited about inviting people to church again. We've got to, come on church, we've got to be excited about inviting people to church again. I mean, it's almost like I'm cussing in the church. Y'all are looking at me like, I cannot believe he just said that. There's a couple reasons we don't invite people. One, we, we really aren't proud of our church. We're really not proud of where we attend because we don't, you don't invite people over to your house because you don't want them to see how your house looks, right? 
So you don't invite people to your church because you don't want them to see where you go because they're going to start asking questions and you're just like, hey, if I just turned a blind eye to it, then I don't really, I don't know. I'm just going to keep going through the motions kind of thing. Another reason we don't invite people to church is because we don't live that way in front of them. <laughs> and so we don't want to be like, hey, you should probably come to church with me. That would be really great if you would just come to church. And it's like, oh, you go to church? Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Other reasons are we just don't know how to. And I know that sounds so simple. It's just asking somebody to come to church with you. But some people, you just have to go, hey, A plus B equals C. Here's how you do it. Here, and we're, we're going to take care of that. We're going to give you a card. It's going to have all the information you need on it. All you have to say is, hey, I'd love for you to come join me at church on this Sunday. And it's got all the information they need to know. It. Because we all know, if we don't write it down, we will forget, correct? Yep. Correct? Uh-huh. Somebody sent me something this week, and it said, if somebody says to you, let's set something up, and they don't pull that magical calendar out of their pocket that's on their phone, they don't plan on meeting up with you. Because we don't write it down and we don't remind ourselves, so we got to make sure that we get to that place. So we're going to talk about the table. The table has always been a symbol of many things. The table is a place where we get nourishment. The table is a place that we come to fellowship and to hang out, to spend time with one another. At the table, we come and we share experiences or we create new understandings. The table is a special place. The table was very significant throughout Scripture, and we'll talk about some of those places today, but for this first week, I want to describe to you what the table really means, what it represents in our lives as believers, and what it represents in the lives of those who are lost. I know for me, growing up, the table was a very special place. We always ate dinner at the table. We did not eat dinner in the living room. We did not eat dinner in our bedrooms on our own separate times. We all came together and we sat down, we put food in the table, and we ate. We talked about our day. We spent time with one another. We cried sometimes. We laughed sometimes. We shared memories. I, as I'm thinking about the table, I thought about Thanksgiving or Christmas time. Favorite time of the year for me. Because it's two days a year, I get to look at my wife and say, I'm eating whatever I want to eat today, baby. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but Thanksgiving, you set the table and it's prepared and you walk in and the smells are so wonderful and you look at it and it's, it's pretty, like it's been set up and there's just all you could ever think of. There's always way too much food at Thanksgiving. There's always more than enough at the table. And so as I begin to talk about the table, I, I think of these places and these moments, the moments of sitting around some of my family members who are no longer with us, hearing their stories hearing the moments that God really showed up in their lives. It was at a table that I sat with my great-grandfather. The man could not barely communicate what he was feeling in his heart or what he was thinking. And he told my mom, I need to see the preacher. And she said, my husband, Tim, and he said, no. He shook his head like this and he said, the young preacher. Not knowing that the man would pass away in a couple of months, my mom drives home and picks me up and brings me back. And they live nine hours away and I sat at his kitchen table with him and he sat across from me we were eating a piece of cake and he looked at me and he said preach the word a moment that's instilled in my heart and my mind as a minister as a as a as a, a, a great grandson of a mighty man of God he just looked at me and he said preach the word and then after that he looked at me and he said I want to pray for you 
So I came over and the man had not spoken clearly in at least a year and a half. Spoke very clear English for the first time in a year and a half. Just speaking over my life, encouragement, prayer, just so many wonderful things in that moment. It all happened at a table. The table is a special place. And today I want to talk about the fact that God has prepared a table for us. He has set a table for us. You see, in, in, in ancient times, kings had feasts. And they would invite certain people to come to the table. The only people that got invited to the table, though, were people of honor. They didn't just go out and invite peasants or, or people who didn't have any type of like, well, whose son are you? Well, so-and-so is, I'm so-and-so of such-and-such land. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't, they, you didn't get invited if you didn't, weren't coming from a special land. Everybody tracking with me on that one? So when you came to the table, you were established with honor. When people saw you at the king's table, they said, that person is important. I hope you're trekking with me where I'm going today. That when you sit at the king's table, that brings honor to you when other people see you. So no matter what your status is, you have a place at the king's table. And when that happens, people see you and there is honor in your life. Does not matter where you come from or what you're doing. When you come to his table, you receive his honor. You receive his name. To hone it down a little bit more, even in, in, in the Hebrew times, they would prepare meals and they would go out and invite people. God, Jesus used this explanation a couple times in the Gospels, explaining that there was a table prepared. And when that happened, the wealthy person would prepare everything. He would set it up and he made sure everything was right because this was a big deal for you to come and lounge at his table. To take a moment to just kick your feet up and relax to share and laugh and have a good time together. The table was important in Hebrews' times. And when you came, you never really had to bring anything with you when you came to the table. You were just invited. And what's great about the Lord is He's not asking us to bring anything with us. He's just inviting us to the table. He's inviting us to the table. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Psalms chapter 23. As you're turning there, I want to remind you, this is not a visible table. Sometimes we talk about things in, in, in church and we're like, man, if I could just see it, that's why I put a table behind me, okay, so that you can see this table. So when you think about coming to his table, this beautifully done table here, you, you, can, you can imagine this, but again, there's not going to be a table that just pops up in your room or in your car or at your workplace or uh, wherever you're at and it's just the Lord standing there going, come, eat, feast with me, you know, like that would be great if that happened. In visual, everybody, everybody understand? Yeah, yeah? okay, all right. <laughs> Psalms 23, Psalms 23. Very familiar passage of scripture, but I'm gonna read it to you today in its entirety. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, I pray over your word today. I pray that our hearts would be in a place to receive and to hear what it means to come to the table. 
that there is a place that we can come and we can find rest and we can find all that we need through you, Jesus. And so, Lord, I just pray that they would hear your heart and your words today, not mine, not something to just try to make them feel good, but that real change would come in us and through us. And we just give you the praise and the glory for it all. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. The first thing I want to point out is in Psalms 23, it talks about him being our shepherd. If you don't know a lot about shepherding, shepherding, they are pretty much everything for their sheep. The sheep look to them for everything. If they're going to eat, they need to be led to that pasture by their shepherd. If they're going to be protected, the shepherd has to have his eye on them at all times or something will sneak in and eat them. A shepherd also has to go and take care of the sheep themselves. There are things that try to grow and live inside of the nose of the sheep that will actually kill them. So they come in and they do an observation and they pick out some things. I don't know if this sounds familiar to you. Anybody ever been looked over by the Lord and had some things pulled out sometimes? It ain't comfortable, is it? <laughs> but I'm so thankful that he does it because it is for my protection and my safety. Everything that we need is in him. It comes to him. And even though through the dark days, as it said, even though I walk through these valleys, in these shadows. He did not promise us. We've said it week in and week out. He did not promise us that we would not walk through these things. But what he has promised us is he will walk with us in these things. There are dark days. There are tough days. But take hope and know that we follow the good shepherd that has a rod and a staff at all times to protect us and to take care of us and be there for us. He has not left us alone. He has not left us nor forsaken us. I know at times it feels like it. I know in moments of our lives, we, we, those moments that we go, God, where are you right now? And I feel like his response to me most of the time is, I'm fighting some stuff you don't see right now. I'm taking care of some things that you have no ideas around you. And I'm protecting you. I'm your shepherd. You didn't see this coming, but I stepped over and I took care of it for you. We have a good father. We have a wonderful father, and I think a lot of times the church in past has portrayed him as this, like, like just, he's waiting for us to mess up. He wants to just whip us when we do bad. And I don't know how many parents are in the room, I don't want to talk to just parents today, but do you ever just wait for your kid to mess up so you can whip them? No. Some of the hardest times that I've cried is after whipping my kids. <laughs> but it has to be done. He is a good father he will step in and give tough love. Tough love is real love. It is true love when we bring about tough love into the lives. And it's the same thing with the Father. Now, does that mean God just allows everything? And we've got this standing with the Lord that, hey, he's a God of grace and mercy and love. Amen? I just said yes to him one day, and the rest of my days I lived how I wanted to, but that one day took care of everything. No. No, we, we have to live a righteous life. We have to live according to the things that he's, he's asked us to live according to. If he's told us to get rid of it, we need to get rid of it. So he's a good father. And then in verse 5, it brings me to pretty much the, the, the main focus of this whole series. He prepares a table. He prepares a place of rest, a place of peace, a place of nourishment for me in the presence of my enemy, that being chaos, times that everyone else would begin to freak out and run, times that people would go, hey, how can you eat at a time like this? How could you be eating at a time like this? He prepares that for us in the midst of all of that. 
a place that we can draw near and find rest and peace and nourishment in a time that the world would go, there is no way you're finding peace in this. There is no way that you have an understanding. When you see people in church and you go, why do y'all, I need to know what you got. They've just been sitting at the table that's been prepared for them. A lot of times the table's prepared and we look at it and goes, man, that looks nice. I wish I wasn't fighting hell itself or I'd sit down and have a bite. And the Lord is saying, no, I have prepared it for you in the presence of those things for you to just sit back and watch me kick tail. I said it last week. You can walk into chaos and still have a peace party. Pretty sure I said hot Cheetos. Stained fingers and all. Grabbing some more. Just munching. Because he prepares it for us. So many of you, I want to set you free today. You don't have to look at it and go, man, that would be nice. I'll sit down whenever I'm done fighting. No, he's telling you to come and sit. You're tired and you're weary. And you're broken and you're hurting. And you're watching everyone else dying. And today, for some reason, the Lord wants me to stop right here and go, come and sit down. Take your hands off of it. Put it down. And come sit with me. Come rest. You are war stricken. You have scars. You are broken. And I've seen you and I've been sitting here with the table through the whole process. And you've misunderstood me. I didn't say come and sit when everything is good. I said come and sit in the chaos. Oh, I feel like I have the burden that the Lord has for you right now. Lord, I don't know who you're talking to today, but I pray in the midst of their chaos that they would sit down. I pray that true freedom would come in their heart right now, God, and that things that they have been fighting for years will be broken in the name of Jesus. That as they draw near to the table, they will find all things in you, and they will realize that you are enough. That you are the one that fights for us. It is not our battle to fight anymore. Touch him, Jesus. Touch him today, Jesus. Whoever you are in the room, I hope you're hearing him. I hope you're hearing him. It's for you. That's not even in my notes. I want to draw our attention back to the word that he prepares a table. I love that the word uses specific words at times. It doesn't say he throws together a table. It doesn't say he was caught off guard and didn't know you were coming over for dinner, so he just threw something in the oven real quick. It says he prepares a table for you. He prepares a table. Preparing means he already knew you were coming. He already knew that you were coming and he went before you and saw what you will need for tomorrow and he brought it to the table. He has seen your tomorrows. He has seen your yesterdays. He has seen your forevers. The word tells us he's seen it from beginning to end and wrote it in books. The table's prepared. He knows specifically what you need. He is an all-powerful, all-knowing God that loves his children and says, you will need this tomorrow. It's at the table. Come get some. (sighs) 
He has gone into your tomorrows and prepared that table for you already so that all you got to do is walk in and sit down. You didn't have to help him set it. You didn't have to cook nothing and bring it over. You just walked into it and sat down. It was already prepared for you. The invitation for you and I is always there, and it's an open invitation. It's not one that he ever stops giving. Your, your invitation to the table never expires. You not RSVPing to the invitation does not matter. When you come to the table, it's prepared. When you come to the table, it's prepared. There will be days that you will come to this table with a heart full of love on top of the world. You'll be so excited to walk to the table. You'll step up to this bad boy and be like, man, ooh, it looks so good. And everything's going well in your life. And you're going to come to that table. And you're going to be so excited. And you're going to get up the next day. Let me go take my seat at the table. I'm here in the presence. I'm excited. Like, this is good. Then there are days you're barely going to make it to the table. There are days the enemy's going to try and tell you you can't make it to the table. There are days that he's going to try and confuse you and tell you when all the Lord says is, just come sit at my table. You ain't got to take nothing. You ain't got to partake in anything. Just sit here for a second. Just sit here for a moment at this table because I have prepared it for you and I know what you need. When you come to the table, it will always have what you need. It will always have what you need. There's a lot of things we can find at the table, but I want to talk about three specific things that we'll find at the table. Number one is this. We find provision. Number one is we find provision. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Not according to your bank account, not according to the place of business that you work at, not according to the account of faith that you have. He says, according to my riches and glory, I will prepare all of, I will take care of all of your needs. When the Lord invited you to the table, he didn't say it's a potluck, bring something with you. He didn't say, unless you bring a main dish, you can't sit at this table. John 5, 8 tells us, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before you even loved him, he paid the price so you can come sit at the table. Before you even knew his name, before you even lived your life and took your first breath, he paid the price so that you could come and he could be king of kings, lord of lords, have dominion over all things so that when the king says, you come to my table, you show up at his table. And there is no one that can take you away at the door because he's already paid the price for you to come. Amen. There is no price of admission just saying yes to you, Jesus. Amen. I'm living my life for you. When the temple veil tore, we gained access to the table. When Jesus died, it said the veil tore from the top to bottom to prove to people that it was not man that did this, but him. For those that don't know, the children of Israel didn't get to experience the Holy of Holies. You would come and a priest would go experience it for you. He would go in on your behalf. And the Lord said, this is not how I intended it to be. I intended to walk with you, to have communion with you, to spend time with you, to sit at the table with you. 
I intended it for, for it to be like this. Never intended it for somebody to come sit at the table, grab a few things, and then come back to you with it. So what I will do is I will pay the price so that you can come sit at the table. And so when Jesus died, there was, an, there, was a, there was an earthquake, there was sounds, thunders going on, and they said at that moment that the temple veil ripped from top to bottom, signifying that his presence was no longer contained there, but now we are the carriers of the Spirit of God. When we come to the table, he doesn't just take care of like, um, like our fears and things, but Psalm 73, 26 says, my flesh and my heart, this is Psalm 73, Verse 26, I'm trying to slow down, I'm sorry. I know some of you are trying to put it in your Tupperware and I'm passing dishes too fast. My fault. Psalm 73, 26 says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Can I tell you something? One of the names of God is El Shaddai. That he is the God of enough. One of the names of God is El Shaddai, the God of enough. He provides grace. He provides mercy. He provides strength for tomorrow. For some of us, he provides strength for today. Some of us in the room are going, I hear you talking about tomorrow, but what about today? I ain't even going to make it to tonight before I whip somebody with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and the Lord is telling us, when your flesh and your heart may fail, I will be your portion and I will be your strength. He brings love. He brings patience. He brings healing. Healing from wounds that were either self-inflicted, inflicted by the church, or inflicted by people around you. He brings healing to those wounds. He comforts you. He brings healing to our physical bodies. He brings understanding. He has promise and hope and salvation. And I could go on and on, and the easiest way to say it is come have a seat with El Shaddai today. Have a seat with God who is enough. We do not need to find it anywhere else but at his table. The second thing we'll find is protection. The second thing we'll find is protection. Psalm 16, verse 1. Psalms chapter 16, verse 1. Says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I wanted to ask the Lord, what's another way I could explain this to the people for them to understand that they find protection at your table? And we know the 91st Psalm is, we, we've, we've quoted that one a couple times through the past couple series. And, and, uh, but I, I wanted to give another explanation. And so he took me to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. If you'll go ahead and turn your Bibles there, I want to read it to you. And as you're turning, I'm going to set this story up for you. 1 Kings chapter 17, Elijah the prophet has heard from the Lord and he said, here's what's fixing to happen. Famine and drought is coming on the land because they are not listening to me. So I need you to go by this brook. You're going to drink the water from that and the ravens will bring you food. First off, ravens were known as scavenger birds. They came in and they picked up like off dead bodies and they were unclean animals. So for someone like Elijah to be fed by something like that is God saying, I will do things ways nobody knows. 
Had a, I mean, it's crazy enough that a bird's bringing him some food. I mean, come on now. Like, that's some Snow White stuff. Like, for real. You know what I mean? All he needed was some dwarfs, and we'd have a whole story. But, <laughs> but in that moment, he said, okay, and he draws away to the brook, and he goes there, and he's drinking from the brook, eating what the ravens are bringing. And then the moment comes, and the Lord's like, now is the time for you to go stand before the king and tell him, I'm about to send rain. So here we are, 1 Kings 18, 7 through 10. I love this passage of Scripture so much. I love it so much. Chapter 18, verse 7. Here we go. Just a few verses. And as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him. Obadiah is another prophet. And Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is it you, my Lord Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, How have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom. Listen to this. As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not sent to seek you. And when they would say he is not here, he would take an oath of the kingdom of nation that they had not found you. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And as soon as I've gone from you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you to where I don't know. The man is chilling by a brook. And a king has used all of his resources to search high and low and everywhere, and Elijah could not be found. Can I tell you, when you are lost in the presence of God, the enemy cannot find you. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeing someone whom he can devour. He is looking. And if I'm sitting at the table, he cannot come because he does not have an invitation to the table. He cannot find me. The Lord brings protection in his presence. And when I, when I say this, y'all realize kings have all kinds of resources, right? I mean, that, I, that's why I wanted to read it to you so it would set it in. Like, there is no land or nation or nothing. And it was like three years. It had been three years. So he had plenty of time to look. He wasn't like, you know what? He spent one afternoon looking for you. We couldn't find you. He spent days upon days upon days looking for you, and he could not find you. And then Obadiah's like, so you want me to go tell him I found you? And then I know that the presence of the Lord will hide you again. <laughs> so I'm going to die. I don't know if I want to say that or not. But he wants to devour us, and some of us are just out there. We're just standing there and this roaring lion's coming around and he sees you and he comes after you. He comes to attack you. And the Lord's saying, come to my table, you'll find protection. You will find protection. I've also come to learn that we, we, we find protection from the enemy, but I believe at times we receive protection from ourselves and from our flesh at the table. He's provided for me times of protection for myself. When my spirit was weak and I drew near to the table, he would wrap me in his arm and welcome me and bring me from the darkness I might have been slipping into. There are times that I had to run to this table because I knew that my flesh was stronger than my spirit in that moment. And I said, if I could just get to the source of the table, I know that I can find everything I need there. And I ran to it. This is a place that doesn't bring only protection from the enemy, but it brings protection from ourselves, from our fleshly desires, 
It teaches us and hones us. We can sit around the table as we did as kids and learn from the Father. And Him teach us and show us in the Word where we can use to fight. In a weak moment where we might feel alone that the table can be there or that we can use the Word to fight for ourselves. He wants you to come to the table and provide all of these things for you. He wants to set you up for success and not failure. And the last one is this, we find presence. Not gifts of presence, I mean his presence. Deuteronomy 31, 8. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. I probably could have put this point first, honestly. But it's my favorite. And I wanted to leave it for last. That at the table I find my father. That I come to the table sometimes not just because I want material things in life. I just want to be in his presence. I just want to sit down with my dad. I want to kick my feet up and I want to laugh. I want to have no cares in the world. I just want to be with him. And I find that at the table. Just to be able to draw near the table and talk to the Father, to God, the one who created all things, how incredible is that? I think we take it for granted. Sometimes we just show up to the table with a list of needs and petitions and say, hey, you're, since you're preparing the table for tomorrow, can you take care of these too? And then when we don't have the list, we just continue to live our lives the way we want to instead of just coming over because we want to. Just coming and sitting at the table because I want to be in his presence. For some of you in the room that have kids, those that don't, maybe you'll remember a moment in your life where you just wanted to go to your parents' room at night. It's darker in our room than it is their room. They got this huge lamp on. But they will still want to come crawl in the bed with us. Why? Because of our presence. There is safety and comfort in that that they don't have when they're not in our presence. It's the same thing with the Father. When we draw near to Him, we have this presence that comes upon us that it just feels so good. I did not feel this when I didn't take this moment. And can I tell you something? The table is not a stationary thing. Like, it would be great if I could have Kyle and Jack carry this table with me everywhere, and I could just be like, I'm walking with the table of the Lord. I even thought about it as an illustration, but I didn't want to break nobody's back and burn the church down. Yeah. The board says amen. (laughs) But you got to realize this, his presence is the table. That when we spend time with him, we are at the table. He is the one that has all of these things. And he's given us access to it. You see, when we draw near and we talk to the Father, sitting with him in communion and conversations, it brings joy. Psalm 1611 tells me that the fullness of joy is in your presence. That the fullness of joy is in your presence. Psalm 1611. Spending time with him brings transformation. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree to another degree of glory. 
Spending time with the Lord in his presence brings transformation in our lives. Looking at him, seeing him, how good he is, how wonderful he is, it changes us into that. If you want to be more like the Father, come to the table. Come to the table. I'm going to take a moment to share my heart with you about the table and, and why we're going to challenge you over the coming days. There's no, like, extraordinary way to transition. In just a moment, if you're one of the ones that I was talking to, I'm going to give you a chance to just ask the Lord to come into your heart and to heal those things and to do those things. But there are people that you know that need to come to the table. There are people in your life, some of you are like, I need to be there. <laughs> I need to get to the table. We're going to take that moment. And I wanted to, and this is part of getting ready. This is part of getting ready for Journey Church that we have to realize that this is where we spend the majority of our time. This is the place that we come to all of the time, not just at church. We talked about it in the Abide series. We talk about, I think about it every Sunday morning when the worship team is like, they've gone in already and we're like, okay, let's, let's warm them up a little bit. Let's get them to that place. Like if you're already sitting at the table, there's no need to warm up. If you're already there, you're already comfortable. It happened every year at our family things. I don't know about y'all's family things, but the first 30 minutes is the most awkward time with family ever. Because you're just sitting there looking at each other like, oh, what you been up to, my dude? You know what I mean? It's just like, what do we talk about? And then after a little bit of time, you're warmed up and you're having a blast together. But if we're already at the table spending that time with him and with others, it just happens naturally. It just flows out of our hearts and it comes to a place where it's just like, I've been at the table all week. I've dwelled at that place. And the portions for tomorrow are there. I am transforming at the table. Because if we're going to get ready and see God do what he wants to in Millington, it has to start here. That's why he's telling us to get ready, church. That if we're ones that need to get to the table, get to the table. I'm not going to look at you and go, my Lord, I thought you was already at the table. Because I'm not looking at, at you. I'm looking at the one that's throwing the party for me too. And I'm just glad that there's more coming to the table. That's my heart. That the more seats at the table, the more in the kingdom. And that's what I want to see. That's what I want to see that more people are finding that there's a place that you can go to in the midst of your crazy chaos and sit, find hope, and find rest. So I'm going to challenge you today. In just a minute, staff don't get up yet. The staff have been given these cards. They're just blank. There's pens if you need one. And here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Next week, we're going to talk about who's invited to the table. Okay? Next week is more for the church to get ready. Because the Lord has told me that some of us don't want more at the table. That our hearts need to be at a place where anyone can come and sit. And we're going to talk about how we get people to the table. So that's what next week is about. And then the last week, we're going to have the table set again. 
We're going to have a moment where we present the table as the gospel.